Welcome to the Business Clubhouse Conversations uh, podcast with uh, me, Ash Taylor, your host. I'm joined today with a good friend of mine, uh, John Petty. How are you, John? Yeah, not too bad, other than the hay fever season has kicked in, and so I might be a bit sniffly and a bit coughing. Ah, that's all right. We can cope with that. I know exactly how I feel. It seems to be that time of year, doesn't it? And, it, and it's Absolutely. weird, actually, because we've had uh, several weeks of bright sunshine and heat, and then suddenly the temperatures dropped and everybody's hay fever's kicked in, which is like... Yeah, the joys. So uh, just for the benefits of people listening, uh, John, what is it that you do? Just just uh, kind of share, you know, what your business does and, um, you know, who it does it for and uh, why do you do it? You know, uh, just a, a brief introduction on that. Yeah, I help businesses to create more leads, drive more engagement um, and communicate with their ideal audience. And I do that through video. Um, so video has been my background and... Uh, it's what I grew up studying and, and loving to do. And um, my story took some twists and turns. And uh, and now I'm able to find joy, for want of a better word, in helping other people use my skills to better their uh, business. Cool. Okay. And um, so you, you talked about your story taking twists and turns, and we'll get we'll get into that in a little in a little while because it's part of the reason I wanted to get you on. Um, but let's go right back to the beginning. How how did it how did it start for you? I mean, you know, was this this light bulb moment? Um, because you've got quite an interesting background involving music and things like that, haven't you? So do you want to just take us back to to you know tell us the story of how it evolved? Because you you started at the BBC, is that right? No, um, what happened was right right back in the day when I was at school, I can remember uh, having to choose my options for my uh, GCSEs and um, I can remember sitting on the floor of my parents' house in the lounge by one of the little um, sofa seats and uh, going, I don't know what to choose, I don't know what I'm good at and my mum said, you always want to be a cameraman at the BBC and the sort of thought went through my head. Oh, um, can you actually do that? Do people actually, is that an actual, you know, which sounds ridiculous because obviously it was a real job. I'd seen people on television actually doing it, but nobody at school had ever said to me, you could do that if you wanted to. If that's what you wanted to do with your life, you could do it. And it took my mum to sort of spot it and, and go, well, that's what you wanted to do. So why don't you try and train to do that and this was right back in GCSEs and we were fortunate enough at school that they had a photography um, studio so I could take photography and I took art and I wanted to take I actually wanted to take business studies uh, and graphic design but the school wouldn't allow me to do all of those because um, it might look like a career path <laughs> so they decided that um, I had to choose two of the four so I took art and I took photography and then they made me do geography and history which I promptly failed um, and um, because I just wasn't as interested although I absolutely love history now bizarrely um, so so moving on from there I then studied TV I got my first um, job in television after leaving college I did like a fast track college thing uh, back in in the late 90s and I eventually got a job working on a shopping telechannel 
and oh, so right. I, okay. yeah so um it, it was a, a shopping telly channel I, I moved away from home and uh, my parents were like yes he's he's done it he's made something of himself you've got rid of him yeah and he'd reached his dream and it was something i you know i spent effectively six years studying uh you know the, the whole process television and all of that and i got myself my job and i lasted i say lasted I chose to last about eight months in that wow. role before I quit because I was appalled by the way that they treated people, um, the whole culture, um, the morals, everything around it. I just didn't like um, the way people spoke to each other, they treated each other, everything. So I decided to quit and I was one of the first, well, I was the first person <laughs> to leave that um because it was a new channel at the time um and so i was the first to leave and i think a few people left uh after that but um Trends i then i basically left a stable job my career uh, where it was sort of on the up went back to live with my parents worked in a news agent and at the time i was part of a band um it was a it was a christian punk band and we were touring uh, the uk playing uh, pubs, clubs, venues, all that sort of thing. And playing with some bands who were doing really well for themselves and all of that. And so I spent five years effectively doing that. And I, in that time, I worked with children with autism uh, to kind of keep up some money uh, coming in and sort of just developing my skills. I couldn't have gone sort of further away from the TV sort of jazzy lights or whatever. I, I sort of mm. came back to... Um, you know doing youth work effectively uh, working with young people and I ended up um, when the band finished at a ballet school so, so I've wow. gone from tv to punk rock to ballet and I find myself as a um, an assistant housemaster at a prestigious um, ballet school in Camberley and um, I did that again it was a, a short-term contract but it felt right and off the back of that I became a youth worker for three years um, at a local church. And in that time, I got married. I needed to um, think about where I wanted to go with my life. And so I thought, well, I can't, although as I'd love to be a youth worker all my life, sadly, we don't treat youth workers with the respect and the pay <laughs> that they need to sort of sustain a lifestyle that, um, you know, is... I don't know what the word is. Um, basic standard of basic, living. Yeah, basic standard of living, you know, yeah. in, in a sense. Um, and, and I think that's a really sad thing because they're already valuable. Um, well, as we sort of understand the key worker um, sort of position. So yeah. I think uh, all power to youth workers and those that stay in it, especially long-term uh, youth workers. But um, I, I needed something that was going to allow me to... to help my family grow um, and um, I would, could help deliver some of the things that I was fortunate enough to to grow up doing and some of the things that I didn't you know my parents couldn't afford for me to do and we never really traveled abroad as a, as a family um, until we were much older and could afford to pay for our own tickets and all those things and, and I think it's important that my children see the world and, and that we can travel and uh, and do things that like I always wanted a West Ham season ticket and all those sort of things. So, you know, they're not cheap. And 
that was a life that I, I wanted to live. Um, and so I needed a, an income that would, would allow that. And sadly, being a youth worker wasn't going to make that happen. And uh, so I thought, well, what was the, the one thing that I could do naively? <laughs> <laughs> what was the one thing that I could do that would make me the most amount of money in the quickest uh, amount of time? Where do my skill sets lie? And I thought, well, if I went back into video, because technology had changed so much since I've yeah. been at college. So if you can imagine way, way, well, I'm sure most of us can, but uh, for the younger viewers, um, you know, imagine in a world pre-internet, which is when I was kind of studying. We didn't have internet then. Um, and I mean, I remember getting my first email whilst I was at um, the shopping channel. I remember logging in on my on my lunch break and so the technology the idea of being able to be your own television production company was a, a fantasy back in the day I, I never even owned a video camera and now everybody's got video on their mobile phones and I'm, I'm you, you, you've totally thrown me because I'm listening to you and it's a fascinating story and although I've heard it you know two or three times before and I've seen the video that you've produced of your story if you like which is which is amazing my head is stuck in this loop of trying to work out when did I receive my first email? <laughs> oh, it's the Hotmail account. I bet it was a Hotmail account. <laughs> it probably was a Hotmail account, but I can't for the life of me remember. Still got it. Where it was, have you? Finally. Yeah, I use, I use it for, um, for being sneaky with in terms of uh, if there's something I want to sign up for so to find out what they're doing. I just apply it to that account and then I don't have to put up with all the spam. It all goes there, but I can take all the nuggets from it. Top tip love people. <laughs> I love that. So, um, so, okay. So you've made this, you've made this decision then to, to sort of, you know, I suppose this sad decision to come out of youth work because I mean, I know you pretty well and there's, there's uh, there's definitely a, a core of iron that runs through you. Um, and those people who are, um, West Ham fans will understand my slight nod to that for you. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. But there is this real core of strength and belief in you that um, caring is a really, really big part of your life and who you are and, and looking out for others. And you, you don't become a youth worker and, and a teacher. Um, and you don't rail against that sort of bright light corporate treat people like shit if you don't have those core values. So how, how, how difficult was it stepping away from that and making the decision to go into basically, you know, setting up your own company? Because I guess there must have been a part of you going, I don't want to have a company that's run like that one that I came out of in the shopping channel. I mean, do you remember that being, that forming any part of your thoughts when you, when you did it? Or did you just jump in? Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, the word, we are who we are, aren't we? And that should come out in our business. And I think that for me, the, the real, like I, I went in, I went into the, the TV thing with my eyes sort of wide. I was quite green and naive possibly in thinking that it was all going to be hunky-dory and that we'd all be creatives and we'd all get on and everything would be wonderful. The world isn't quite like that. Not everybody you know does care about their fellow being sadly um and so coming out of that and setting up my own business again i was so green and naive um that it hadn't really occurred to me sort of not to be nice because you are 
genuine. But my problem was, was that I was almost, not almost too nice, but I just, I just didn't know how to do business. Mm. Like how, like selling, for example, like it's not in my nature necessarily to naturally want to sell to people. You know, people would, would go, oh, I, I didn't, I didn't have, didn't have a marketing plan or anything. I just thought, well, I can do video. Um, I know somebody that needs a wedding film, so I'll, I'll film that wedding. And it was an easy route to sort of get some cash. I don't do weddings anymore, by the way, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> putting that out there. Um, but, um, but it was my, my starting point. Um, and, and, you know, I probably, un well, I did undercharge. Um, and, and again, that was sort of me trying to be too nice, not understanding the value of what I do. So in my head, there has been a, a shift or a battle or whatever you want to call it around how do you, how do you take the values of being a really, really nice guy and not get taken advantage of in a business place and maintain integrity mm. and create a business that can offer and live up to the values that you hold and sometimes the only way you can do that is by charging more because if you don't you will you you can't deliver in the way that you want to and these are sort of hard lessons that I've had to learn and, and overcome and through talking with, um, you know, having some quite deep discussions with yourself and, and with other people that I've been lucky enough to surround myself with um, in the last sort of couple of years, there's just sort of been these moments of, no, your, your thinking is all wrong, John. <laughs> You've got to change that thinking. Uh, and so the last four years of, you know, have not been easy in the sense of I'm, I'm having to, reprocess things that, that you learn so for example when you're a youth worker when you work for, for the church you are looking out for the vulnerable the weak not to prey on them but you are looking to where can you help in what areas can you help them to to grow and to get themselves on their feet and to be a friend to the friendless and the first thing i learned when i suddenly put on a proper business hat and and just discovered that I needed to actually sort of pick up on what it is to be working business was who you hang around with matters. If you hang around with losers, you'll be a loser. Now I don't, I don't subscribe to that in, in every sense of it. Like, Oh, right. Well now I'm never going to hang out with the poor and the needy because my natural thing is like, if there is a need and a want, I want to help those people. But in terms of a business strategy, if I want my business to grow and to um, you know, have benefit to others and you know, around me, it is important who I hang around with. The, the people that I meet with and converse with and look up to, it, it matters. It matters that I, I'm being pushed. And it's the same in, in my sort of Christian walk as well, if you like, that those that I look up to are doing the right thing that I'm not, you know, sort of being led astray or, or, or whatever it is, who you hang around with does matter. Um, it, it matters in all uh, walks of life. And it was, that's probably one of the single most uh, important things that, that I 
have learnt um, in in the last you know couple of years, and and I probably kind of knew it in the youth worker thing because you all, and and when we were in the band, we were always you're looking to be a role model for young people and i know that you know there's a lot of people in the public eye that go i'm not a role model i've just happened to be lucky and you know if they want to but for us as youth workers and um you know and i actually i take it into a business thing i like to model what i would like to see so mm. I've, you know i've always tried to be fair with pay and the way i treat people on set the way that you know all, all these things um you know it, it we we are role models um and you know we should be looked up to in com in community in society um and i think the, thing, the, so the, thing, the way we act and the way we live our lives is important and i think the thing that jump i mean it's amazing what you've talked about there and i think the thing that jump there's a few things that jump out at me and i'm just trying to think where to start with it but i think the, the key bit that that I've latched onto, I think, is I mean, you said a number of things, and one was it, one of those was wrong thinking. And I think it's we have I think, or I believe, I know that we have to be really careful to judge ourselves by right and wrong, because you are, and I know we we talked about this in the past, but you are and I am, and everybody that's listening is a is a product of the experiences that we've had and, and the environment that we've we've grown up with. And and you know, you've gone into this business world where you're trying to create uh, a better life for yourself and, and to be profitable, which is right and proper. But you're going into it armed with tools that are all based around giving and caring and um, helping others and being a friend to the friendless, as, as you spoke about. And there's a dichotomy there because one, whilst one can... Uh, take all those tools and, and use them in your, you know, in your, in, in, in the journey that you're going on to create this new business. You've also got to learn uh, other skills that perhaps you didn't have in the mm. toolbox. So it's not that you're thinking, this is, this is my perspective, it's not that your thinking was wrong because your thinking was right for the work and, and, and the life that you had then. But in order to make a success of the business, you had to learn a new way of thinking without necessarily discarding the old. And I yes. don't think it's a case yeah. of right or wrong. It's just a case of how do I need to think to be effective in this new business rather than, think, rather than saying to yourself, well, everything I know is wrong and the way I think is wrong and I need a right way of thinking because... It, yeah. I, I but this is what I love actually so like we we were introduced to each other um four years ago mm. maybe more maybe five we'll go with four yeah p possibly I don't know anyway my my business was basically on its what's it um through, through no fault of my own, of course it was my own, my own fault. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I, I like I basically stumbled um, onto a couple of um, you know sort of larger sort of contracts, um, but through kind of doing freebie jobs and then people going, yeah, we like what you do. Can you come and do do this contract? But I'd never actually ever marketed myself. I'd never done any networking. Never, you know, none of this stuff, and. I didn't know what a business coach was uh, and 
you know, it seemed like a massive expense anyway. Um, so I'd never really spent any money on the business. You just sort of, you go from one job to the next job to the next, and sort of a little bit of word of mouth grows. But when I found these contracts had um, disappeared um, because people had moved on or budgets had been cut, which again, naively, I hadn't really thought through or, or you know, gone like that, that will happen. And what the chances of them all going at the same time anyway, and they were quite nice and comfortable, but they did all go at the same time. It, it prompted a moment of, oh, right. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact I'd actually been out doing some charity work in the Philippines whilst all this had happened. So I'd taken my eye off the ball and wasn't concentrating on what was actually going on in the business. I'd, I'd sort of been doing some charity filming stuff. And, um, uh, sort of meeting yourself and you being able to help guide me for the first time in in a business sense going back to what, what we were saying about the you know, right wrong or no wrong and right uh, way of thinking at, at every point in my life pretty much up until my I started my business I'd had mentors yes now I hadn't necessarily you know paid for for those mentors but they'd been people in my life who i looked up to who had guided me to make good decisions with my life and mm. i value their point of view um and you know they they had always mm. um helped to guide you know they never told me what to do but they'd help advise me get me to think ask questions around you know where I wanted to be and what you know and, and had, were just looking out for me more than anything else and that was something that I, I you know I value so much and, you know and that's my parents and it's been people within um, the, the churches and youth groups and things that I grew up in um, to um, other bosses at um, kind of work and, th and things like that people that had just taken a, and so it seems crazy that I got to this point and go, right, oh, I'll just go and do business. And yet there was nobody guiding me in that. Nobody who, and, and for me, it's all about relationship. It has to, it, the relationship has to click. And I had been involved with like some bigger, um, you know, mentoring, you know, sort of online, you know, big sort of uh, coaching stuff. And um, but the personalities at the top, although I valued the information they were given, I knew I don't I just don't think we'd get on. And when we met, it was like, yes, you get me, you get me. And, and you didn't want to fleece me. <laughs> a better word. You like you genuinely gave like practical advice, which sort of talked right into my life and my business where it was then. And you were like, like, here's a load of ideas, his thoughts, his thoughts, his like, this is how I see it. You can take it or leave it, but it's there on the table. Uh, and, and then we sort of grew the relationship from there. Um, so mentors and like all that, who you hang around with, it, it's like, it has been key to my life. And, and that's where I would like to be ultimately, um, sort of going forward that was always the plan for the business was to build something where I can give back to society in whatever way you know originally it was going to be you know back into youth work which I still love doing on the rare occasions that, that I get to sort of meet with young people um but it's quite interesting because some of the your you know some of your recent um 
staff members. Uh, I remember one particularly, he's a great lad and still flying around. You know, that you, you seem to have, you seem to be much more comfortable working with, um, you know, younger people, you know, girls and boys in their sort of, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. And, you know, you, you having spent time with you in the studio with these people, you, you have a natural ability to guide them and mentor them. And, and, it, and it's interesting because you talk about the mentoring and you are providing that exactly for them at a time when they need it. And, and I think that's, I think that's really important because, you know, when you came into starting your business, you did what a lot of people listening would have done. It, it was less about, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to go and get funding and invest in it and then get somebody to do the work whilst I shape it. And much more around, well, I've got this skill, so I'm going to use it. So you, you, you walked in to, you didn't start a business, you just sold yourself as a technician. Yeah. And if, if you were fortunate, you got another job. So you ended up being, um, it was Neil O'Brien, I think, on the last podcast or the one before, talked about job holders. So, you know, you, and which I thought was a fantastic, fantastic phrase, but you're basically, you know, you, you, you don't even own your own job because you're at the behest of whether anybody employs you on a short term contract for, for, you know, a project or a week or this piece of filming. And, and then you hope and stick your finger in the air that you're going to move on to the next one. And, and it's, I just think it's, it's fascinating because you, you kind of did the same thing with the band. You know, you, you had this band, you were quite successful, people heard about you, so you got the next gig and the next gig and the next gig. But I would guess that you never as a group sat down and went, right, where do we want to get to? How, how big do we want this band to be? What gigs do we want? Oh, we want to do Manchester Arena at some point and be the next Oasis or whatever it is. You just kind of went with the flow and let it carry you. And yeah. And, and you, you've, you've, because you've got these really kind skills and you've got these, this ability to help people and mentor people and all the things that you've talked about that you've benefited from, you've always not landed on your feet with jobs that have suited that personality. And suddenly you find yourself in this environment where actually just moving from gig to gig is not enough. It's, it's, you know, because from a pay perspective, at least the youth work stuff, you've got the money regularly every month. I got given a house then as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, 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 find that, I find that quite interesting. So how have you, so just going on, I guess my question is with that, how have you found the journey from breaking free of the shackles of being the technician and just drifting from job to job? to be taking that shift to becoming the business owner. And again, it's not about right or wrong thinking. It's just learning to think differently. Uh, in, and, and what have you found has been the, the, the challenges and the easy bits about going from being that technician to, do you know, I have got a business here. Mm. I'd love to say, oh, do you know what? It was really easy. <laughs> I just decided one day that I'm not going to do it anymore and then just didn't do it. <laughs> that would be that would be the the dream answer wouldn't it um the the warts and all um has been this this is this has been a four four or five year process mm. um and i remember when we started out you know people were saying well overnight success 
takes five to ten years and you know i'm probably coming up to the four and a half year no, mark on no it <laughs> so my overnight success should arrive in <laughs> <laughs> two years on average i'm looking at um yeah i i just think it's been a slow I guess everybody's in a different situation, aren't they? Um, and I don't want to go and blame, um, you know, life situations or whatever, but I guess we can only work at the speed that we can work at. Um, and again, that's, that's been a challenge in my head. has been trying to fight that battle. We've seen other businesses massively boom and, and grow and have real success and then feeling like, Oh, I'm not having that same success um, in, in my own business and feeling like a bit of a failure at times um, to, to sort of going, like, I'm only racing my own race. That's the yes. term. Yes. You know, that, that success is, you know, kind of only where, where I'm at and, and what I'm doing at the moment. And so trying to, because I, I, I'm fortunate enough to now be hanging around with some super successful people you you know and you do look up to them and you do want to emulate what they're doing sometimes when I figure out yeah but you know actually there are certain things which might be holding me back or there might be things I'm using as an excuse uh, that, that, that are holding me back we're all in our own sort of situation so that sort of four or five years of slow mental shift that's been sort of drip 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 from yourself that accountability that you've been bringing over the last couple of years of saying john like this is good this is good and you, you kind of you get in there you get in there but now you really need to move from being that guy to this guy that constant little drip feed reminder has been shifting my thinking over a, it's, it's like a glacier <laughs> rather than a yeah i don't know what, what the you know like a flowing river it's just been like a slow creep over that four or five years now again there's no right or wrong it's just how my life has has worked out rightly or wrongly and there were probably fast tracks that I could have done given the right financial situations if I'd invested if I'd taken out massive loans if I'd done whatever but I haven't for whatever reason because my mind blockage in, in one way you know I could have taken out a huge loan and go right I'm gonna bring in a, a load of people and if it all goes wrong then so what i'll just my money. wipe the business and i'll start a new one but my brain doesn't work that way i'm like yeah. the books have to be balanced i have to pay everybody else before i pay myself if i can't pay myself my children don't eat so there's all these things going on in my head that, that have kind of not holding me back from doing it but have, but have been kind of putting brakes on it and so my thinking has had to kind of change slowly but with the accountability that you're giving it, it's coming and then with recent situations that, that have occurred and certain things like even before all that was happening my i've been keeping an eye out for some young people to start bringing in some graduates who i could then build up through the business um and with everything that, that's happened that has allowed that to accelerate somewhat because courses have all been dropped um yeah. and you know, financially, we've been able to kind of dip into, you know, banking funds that weren't previously available at the rates that they are now, and all of that stuff. So um, in some ways, that's kind of been a bit of a blessing um, in, in business terms, because it's now allowed me to go right, breaks on everything. If I was rebuilding this from scratch, I want a team, 
that's what I want. Mm. Uh, I so, so, so the you know the, the lockdown that we're you know starting to come out of as we record this episode, in, in many ways has been a positive for you from a business perspective because it's allowed you time to think and it's allowed you to look at um, get off the hamster wheel, get off being the technician because you've not been able to do any technical work and actually possibly accelerate your thinking in terms of what's involved in being uh, the you know the, the the business owner and and the leader and and i think what's quite interesting listening to you is you said really early on that you found yourself when you were in the band for example as being someone who was looked up to that you 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 know you you recognize maybe not at the time but certainly afterwards and as a youth leader as well that there were people who looked up to you for mentorship who who saw you as someone on a bit of a pedestal, I guess, and and you you found that uncomfortable, but you recognised it. And I guess the transition is you found yourself in a position of leadership and responsibility without necessarily asking it, just because of the um, by the nature of your actions and what you were delivering. And then there were going to be people when you do that who look at what you're doing and going, oh wow, that's really inspiring and that's really helpful, and I and I I want to I want to hang around that guy because you know. Mm-hmm. The, the band inspires me and lifts me and mentors me without me realizing it. And, and I guess what perhaps you've struggled to recognize is that your job is to become that leader within your business mm. and to take on that position of leadership and responsibility within the, you know, n- not, not on stage with the mad hair and singing the songs, but when I had it, <laughs> when you had it, yeah. Um, but being, that, <laughs> but being that leader and taking on that position of responsibility within the bubble of your business and, and the wider industry and the people that it affects. And I just, I just don't know whether that's something you've ever thought about or thought about it in that way. Yeah, I think naturally, naturally I am massively introvert um, and people always find that um, um, maybe not so much now, certainly back in the day. So I was always very aware that when we were in the band, people were looking up to us. So we, you know, we never drank at shows because we never wanted to be accused of being drunk. Um, you know, everything we said, had to, you know, we were accountable to, to, you know, ourselves and to kind of wider groups. You live, you live the values that you... Yeah, that, that's absolutely it. Well, you, could, you couldn't go on stage and, and say some of the stuff that we were saying and then go and totally, <laughs> you know, be the opposite of that. Like everything was about building community. And I, we were young at, at the time, like um, our guitarists would have only been seven, 16, 17 when we started out and I would have been 18. Um, so like it was a, it was a, you know, I think it was 23 when the band finished. Um, but we, so we were hyper aware that, that we were role models. What I wasn't aware of was that I was a leader. It was only after the band finished when the other guys, um, when I sort of spoke to them in retrospect and we were sort of reminiscing on, on times, they go, well, you led the band. Did I? You drove it. Yeah. yeah, it was all your ideas. We just like, you, you, you told us what we were doing and, and, and then we kind and now looking back <laughs> it's like at the time it was i remember thinking in my head right i want to do this how am i going to get our drummer to get on board with this because <laughs> you know, he was always a stickler 
<laughs> high rate. Um, you know, just like stick that drums. Yeah. Um, I, I but, um, yeah. <laughs> he, um, like, how how can you get your message across? How can you bring people on board your ideas and get them to sort of take that on board? And I hadn't really put that into well, I'm a leader, so therefore, you know, this this is what I do. It was just it was kind of naturally occurring in in the way that that I, I kind of I was. There must there must be a book out there called The Introverted Leader. Um I know I know there's I was, I was speaking to a client before we came on to record this and and talking about uh, there's quite a lot of research being done recently and, and a whole book on it um, and I can't remember the name about introverted salesmen as opposed to extroverted salesmen mm. and there is this assumption that if you're an extrovert you're a better salesperson because you can you know you can blag and you can be loud and you can be shiny and wear the purple suit and you know sell secondhand cars at the you know back of a garage type thing but actually all the data and evidence shows that introverted salespeople do far far better and are much much more consistent. Oh, interesting, yeah. It's just that society has this perception that in order to be a salesperson, there's all this connotation around what being in sales means, and therefore you put loud, rash people, extroverts, in that in that bracket. And I guess there's the same perception, perhaps, around leadership. That, uh, and knowing you as I do, I think there's an element of you be believing that you know when you're on stage you know in the band you were your behavior was perceived as that as an extrovert because oh, you're performing so. yeah because i mean if you saw any of the performances uh, thankfully vhs is a redundant format these days <laughs> so there's very little little of it about try and hunt it down like, people would be terrified of of actually coming not yeah. terrified, but they'd be like, like, oh, I couldn't speak like and then they'd meet me and be you know I'd be like oh hi yeah da, 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 da. Uh, um it was a, it's, you know, it was all, like it wasn't all a show. But I'm aware of of triggers and things that you have to do to perform because I look up to, you know, other bands and perform. You know, the bands that I love are really energetic and throw themselves around and scream and shout uh, and they put on a performance. And and it's the same with with you know in, in some ways. You're, you're a West Ham fan, aren't you? I'm a West Ham fan, and I I, I like to think I am. Well, I. I more of the introverted. <laughs> <laughs> I swear silently on the inside. <laughs> but so, 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 but sorry, sorry, but I, I think the thing I'm trying to get across is how can you now in your business take that I'm able to perform, yet I'm introvert. I was a leader, but probably an introverted leader because you weren't leading the band when you were on stage. You were leading the band when you were off stage, mm. when you were on the road, when you were sitting around deciding which gigs to do and you know, who was going to play which bits of music and bringing the band together. I mean, to stay together that long, what was it, four years, five years? Five that's, years. That's I mean, it's all around team. I mean, you know, if you want to get the, to the, the crux of that, in a sense, when I look back on that, that was the best team I ever, mm. ever worked with. And if, you know, they, they use that phrase, if you're going to go into battle with anyone. I mean, we've been out of the band for, you know, 15, nearly 20 years now, or whatever it is. Um, and... Uh, th those are the guys that I would still go to battle with yeah. and, and half of them aren't in the country and um and I haven't seen some of them in sort of ten but I would still like risk my life with with those guys because as a team it was like it was it was just perfect for me because I could have the ideas and I could go oh we need to do this we need to do that what about that and the others would just pick it up 
okay. they just go right well i'll i'll organize that <laughs> so like on the face of it i was just the lazy front man <laughs> i kind of was but you know like a good be... thing you weren't you were you were the introverted but it was the it like in up up in my brain everything was whirring going well how are we gonna like if i, I look back on it and go well, it was more of a marketing exercise for me. It's like, how far could we take this band? How far could we go? As it turned out, it was a lot further than most garage bands ever got. You know, we got in Kerrang, we played to thousands of people, we played some, um, you know, sub headlines under, you know, I look back on a, on a poster I've got, we're on this thing with Polk James, Fine Young Cannibals, Catatonia, um, and like, wow. like, okay, we, you know, but this was, yeah. At the time, you're like, oh, it's not good enough, it's not good. It's never good enough, is it? <laughs> but I, like, I found that flyer and went, flipping heck. Like, mm. we were on the same You didn't say flipping heck, though, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a family-friendly show. <laughs> so, so, so how can you, okay, just to start, start to bring this to a close, just a little bit, how can you, how can you take the lessons from being that, and I'm going to reuse the phrase, the introverted leader of that band, which was incredibly successful. And as you've said, the best team you've ever worked with. And you'd, you'd you know, go work with that team again in a heartbeat because mm. you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses, you, you, you know how to manage them and lead them. How, you know, what are the lessons you've learned from that that you could start applying now in, in, in your business as it is? I, th I mean, I suppose you've got to, you know, every leader has to have a vision, don't they? You have to have something which you can draw people in on, uh, like a, a story to say, what if, what if this could happen? What if there was a business like this? What if the world looked a little more like that? You know, that's what great leaders do. They, they inspire people and, um, they bring people along on their journey those that sort of hold their hand up and say look i, I want to follow um you know the greatest movements uh, you think of greta thunberg you know at the moment people you know they go i like what she's saying i hold my hand up i'm willing to go and follow this person and and mm. you know, back what, what they're doing so you know maybe in in, in business it's about having a vision for you know a particular way that your product service whatever can make a difference to other people um their lives the world whatever it is and it's like how can i bring people in, in, in and i suppose the big companies the facebook's the googles and that they, they kind of in their own crass kind of way probably do that you know they, they say you know imagine a world where this can happen imagine a world where that can happen like we're doing it now and and you can be part of it and and you know we've got table tennis tables as well you know so, and you know as much red ball on tap as you want and we'll kind of it's, it's, you into it. it's, it's, it's and everybody i guess is entitled to their own their own vision because we all mm -hmm. see the world in a different way we all um have different values and a different perception of what makes the world a better place yeah and and you you know it, it, you know and i know you're slightly tongue-in-cheek there but you know 
Oh yeah, yeah. Don't say anything. I'd say massively. Well, you know, there, there is it's like so there is part of me. Tool, sorry, social media as a tool has brought the world closer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. You can't it's, account it's for the punk rocker paper. in me that, that, that comes out. Like, I, there's, there's always a you know, stick it to the big man. But, <laughs> but um, like, <laughs> but that's that is like um, that's what again. That's why I'm a West Ham fan because you know. There's a heck of a lot of uh, like good football teams in the world. West Ham aren't one of them, <laughs> and I absolutely adore them. So you know that that's how West Ham play into my story. I'm afraid. Like I, I do love the underdog, and I love um, you know that's that's all part of like how far can we take? But I, I, at points, I wonder whether that mentality holds me back from being the next. Google or Facebook. I was going to ask you earlier on, and I will very quickly, you know, do you think being nice gets in the way? Or let me rephrase it. Do you think your perception that you're the underdog gets in the way? I, I, yes, I do. I do think that at times there are things where my punk roots, my kind of like, okay let me give you an example going back to, to to the band days when when we were playing we were playing with a lot of bands who were really up and coming successful looking they were being touted by big record labels they were getting on mtv uh, when mtv used to play music and um it, it they had a mentality of we will do it ourselves it's a diy approach we don't we don't want to be big we just you know we don't want to sell out we don't want to be anything that that we're not so there was this whole kind of stigma around like well if you're going to be a punk band you, you can't sell out you don't want to be blink 182 or whatever you know it's like you, 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 know, you can do it for yourself and we'll go all the way and yet these bands they never did Although they had all the talent and they had all the opportunity, they were so stuck in their head of doing it their way in the DIY, we don't ever want to really make it big, that the whole thing folded. They convinced themselves. They convinced, they like, like, yeah. They and I look at some bands now, and there's, there's a, um, there was a really great, um, uh, the band that I really looked up to called Idlewild, who I'm guessing no one really heard of, had a couple of big hits in the early noughties. Um, and they were touring around the same time as Coldplay and they were on the same record label as Coldplay. And I listened to an interview with them and they were reminiscing about that time where they had their top 10 hits, this Idlewild, but they didn't know, they didn't have a plan as to how they could move on from there. It just happened to them. Mm. And they couldn't cope with it because they didn't have a plan to get to the next stage. And they said, we were playing with Coldplay on the same record label and all these things. And Coldplay were ruthless from the start. They had a plan. They knew exactly where they wanted to be. And they just went with it and they ran with it. And Coldplay are now obviously like biggest band in the world, can we say? I don't know. I was certainly in the UK. Uh, you know, like, like them or hate them you know they are who they are and they don't have to work another day in their life they never have to produce another record mm. you know in in their life and some of us might think please <laughs> let's never produce oh, yeah, another yeah, record yeah, yeah. But, from their, their, but from their perspective you know chris martin will never stop producing records for as long as he can because he enjoys producing records. he enjoys doing it 
who enjoys yeah. doing it. And, and, and he's not afraid to, to do it and, and put it out there. It, to yeah. him, it's not a, you know, and, and, it, and it shouldn't be. Like, why, you know, if you've got good music or if you've got a good product or, you know, good service, we shouldn't be holding it back, put it out to the whole world. If people want to buy it and, and, and it becomes massively successful, well, brilliant. You know, why, you, why wouldn't your, you? Your friend, why your wouldn't friend you Facebook has, and, uh, enables that now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think that the thing for somebody like myself is like, how do you, if it blows up and it becomes massive, like, how do you maintain integrity and become a business that gives back and, and, and isn't all about, you know, um, tax dodging and, um, you know, all of that sort of stuff? It, it's, I don't think it matters how big you get necessarily. Like it, like we could all aspire to be Google or Facebook or, or whoever, you know, these, these companies, but it's like, what, how do we maintain our integrity as business people, as role models? How can we give back or do what it is that we want to do to help other people? Like Maybe the bit of you that's nice will stand up at that point. Yeah, and that and that's the test, isn't it? That is the ultimate test because they, you know, they talk about money corrupts and all this sort of stuff. And you know, like, well, yeah, maybe, but actually, it does a heck of a lot of good if it's in the right hands. And that's 100%. where, hundred percent, yeah, good, decent, honest business owners can give back so much to society. And, um, and I think, and I think, the media plays a huge part in not talking about. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I am. Good. You pretty know, much are, sure that, that there are a lot of good things going on with with business owners well, who are giving you know i'm not saying oh business owners are all corrupt because that's not been my experience mm. the business owners that i have met on my journey have all been wonderful wonderful people it's you know it's those small minorities that you hear in the you know the newspapers that oh he's tax dodging in where whatever country well, nice doesn't sell does it no, and, and I, I, I kind of like, I like to think that in the end, the nice guys will win. <laughs> I, I live with hope. So just drawing this down. So the question I always ask everybody um, is, and it's just been brilliant conversation, John, as always, we always get into one, don't we? If, uh, if you could go back in time to, what is it, 10 years now? And, 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 and it's probably worth reminding you actually in terms of success that, what is it? Um, only 25% of businesses, so one in four businesses survive the first year. And of those that survive, only um, you know, one in four survive beyond four years. And I, and I don't know what the numbers are to get to 10. So you are within that 25% of the 25% mm -hmm. and then another fraction there. So you know, depending on how you measure success, you know, to last this long as a business is a, is a success in itself. And I, I, my question is, if you could go back to uh, go and meet yourself the day before starting J Productions and you could have a 30 second, you know, literally 30 second conversation with, with the John Petty who had hair back then and say yeah, to him, <laughs> and say to him, right, you're about to embark on this journey, knowing what I know now, these are the two or three things, or maybe one thing that you need to make sure you do. What would they be? What would those pieces of advice be to your younger self? Okay. Um, I've always been uh, like 
one for kind of going everything happens for a reason so like I wouldn't be here now if I hadn't gone through the trials that I had been through so I kind of it's a bit of a love hate relationship with the things that go wrong in in your life isn't it but actually they make us a better people but I suppose if it, like I was looking back and um hindsight and all of that I would I would strongly recommend um actually understanding what it is to be a business owner and not just go I'll just run a business because that's what you do um so um, actual learning from the offset getting yourself somebody who is going to teach you a a mentor a coach uh, and Ash Taylor whoever um that will guide you in in doing it because it's foolish to think that you know everything about anything to be quite honest um so uh i knew how to do video to a degree not the world's greatest camera but there are better camera people out there um they're just not as nice um <laughs> but, uh, uh, you like somebody who can help guide you through that because to me that seems obvious up until the point where i stopped having mentors that was yeah. what was helping me make good decisions so that would be a key thing. And I, I've always loved that um, little phrase, which we talked about earlier, the um, who you hang around with, with matters. And I think I would have gone to seek out sooner business owners and, and networking and things like I didn't even know about networking, to be perfectly honest. Mm. And, you know, my business was doing all right. <laughs> Why did I need to anyway? You know, um, yeah. I was getting some jobs. So, <laughs> so like, I think it's just actually have, um, have somebody who can help guide you, who can help put a plan together that can help you get to where you ultimately want to be. Because we all have a, a place in our head of where we want to be. Well, I started the business because I wanted to be able to own my own house, have a season to get a West Ham and be able to feed and clothe my family and take them on holiday. Humble, maybe. <laughs> foolish yeah. maybe yeah. ridiculous with a west ham season ticket but um <laughs> well, three it, of them it, as you now have yeah. well yeah um yeah. But, but i do and i put that down to yourself and the shift in my like the idea that i can now have a, a season ticket at west ham and and not necessarily worry about having to pay for that each season it's not like oh it's just like well i'm gonna have that that's mm. happening regardless of whether we're in the premiership or you know, lower division, it'll happen. Um, so I think that it, it's just like, don't leave it four or five years to go down the wrong route. I wish I'd, because if I'd had somebody like yourself in place from the start, there would have been a clearer plan and there would have been options then to get maybe startup loans, to look at building a team early on. You know, there's so many, not dead ends, but so many twists and tangles that we've knot ourselves up in as as we go along in life and in our business that it's harder to unpick than it is to to start with kind yeah. of fresh so it's, it's almost easier to understand from others where the dead ends are and learn yeah that. So but it's being in a mindset and being humble enough to go do you know what i i don't know everything and i can't do this by myself and look for help earlier rather than being stubborn and well, not even stubborn just just going ahead full steam and there will be those that you know know it because they've studied it they, they know it and their self what's in and that's great but 
I know that wasn't me, and I'm sure it probably wasn't the vast majority of people uh, you know, who start a business and who are going to start up a business off the back of you know this whole um, pandemic. So um, getting help, there, there is no shame in that. Um, no, and it is worth that, it. Yeah. It is worth the investment. It is so worth the investment. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's the first thing on my, you know, every time I go through my list of costs, you know, how can I reduce costs? How can I reduce costs? Like one of the things I just can't reduce <laughs> is the, is the business mentoring and, and help that I get because it has driven me to increase my profits, to build and shape a better business, not just for me and my family, but for my customers as well. Yeah. It's interesting. Wow, John, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Thank you ever so much for coming was, on. Um, therapeutic, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and entertaining. Some good, some, good stuff. some good stuff in there. Um, we'll put all your details on the, the kind of on the, the, the dialogue and all the rest of it and the summary. Um, but if people want to get hold of you and want some video done, um, because you have you know, two ways people can work with you. You've got the studio, which I think really fulfills your need to and desire to enable people to tell their stories in a very affordable way so that studio is in Camberley isn't it and then yes, you've yeah. got and and then obviously you can do much higher level productions for um you know that doesn't necessarily mean that companies have more wealth but just for you know businesses that want to create something that's a bit more or a lot more um, story-based and uh, involves more people and greater production and more length of time. So you can help people on both spectrums, really. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. and I know you have, you know, you have clients who use both. You know, you've got some. Yeah, because the two up. work hand in hand. Totally. So that's um, you know, that's so been you, my you, own personal experience through putting out. And you can uh, you can find out more about my lifestyle on my, <laughs> on my <laughs> yeah, website well, through my video. Where do, um, where do people get to watch that video? What's the website? So it should be on the homepage of my website, which is J Productions, just the letter J Productions.co.uk. Um, uh, yeah, so just uh, jproductions.co.uk. There's an, an about my life, which kind of just highlights a few of the key areas and my thinking, and you'll get to see me with silly hair and a little bit of action uh, in the band uh, within that. So uh, worth it just for that. <laughs> I think so. Brilliant, John. Thank you ever so much for coming in. No worries. Thank you.